Sports Stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio, brought to you by a voice you know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Welcome to another week of this program. I hope that you have enjoyed it. I enjoy the guests that we have on today, Gary Raspberry of the Solana Daily Standard and Bowling Green State University's own wrecker who uh, talks about his time at Kaleida and also about the uh, challenge of being a collegiate baseball player when you have no program. That's uh, coming up here in just a few, and I absolutely love the conversations with these two. I get into with Raz about old games and how he realized he's been around for a little bit, and with Owen about everything about uh, the program and about some times at Kaleida. But quite a bit of local news this week, which is, Great to see because things are opening back up. We're getting that much closer to being, let's say, back towards normal, whatever that means. Uh, The big area news came out yesterday. The Crescent News putting out an article about Kirk Lehman, Defiance's basketball coach for the last 17 years. He's stepping away. The 1978 Defiance grad as a coach for 37 years, retiring as both a coach and as a teacher, and that's uh, that's big. I, I actually reached out to him, tried to get him on the show for next week, but congratulations to him. Those were always tough teams to play. Every coach has told me that, that uh, when you go to Defiance to the old gym or the last couple of years to the new gym, which is a palace and is absolutely gorgeous, that you knew those teams are going to play hard and you were going to be in for a fight. And that's just uh, kind of defiance as a whole. Obviously the baseball program is very good and they have uh, turned out quite a few stars. Football program is always tough. Even last couple of years, coaches have told me that you don't realize how hard those teams play, even though they haven't been on the winning end, just, uh, just kudos to them for what they're doing up there. Speaking of the coaching ranks, Elgin has hired former U.S. Army vet Zach Winslow away from Triad, where he spent a year as their football coach. Kind of a long-term assistant kind of guy so far. He's going to try to turn that program into something. Basketball. A lot of basketball news. A lot of prep basketball news, but in the uh, pros or the college ranks, depending on how how you view, I swear, I was just calling games where this young man was playing high school basketball at Ohio Northern University in the tournament for Bath in Terrence Sullivan. Graduated from Finley. Now he's going to play in the TBT basketball tournament for Team D2. It's going to be an interesting way that they do the tournament this year. Obviously a lot different in the last handful of years with everything being sanitized and how many people you can be around and everything like that. But if you win, you split $2 bucks and you get to play live on ESPN. So that'll be pretty cool to see a local product again on the airwaves. Claire Sin, the all-time leading scorer in Wayne Trace basketball history for the girls, says she's going to take her basketball down into Ohio Dominican University to play. Congratulations to her. The other college signing in the area in the last week, Jordan Davis from Elida, terrific kid and a terrific baseball player, is going to go play at Catawba Valley Community College. Originally, it was going to Sinclair before they shut down their athletic program. And I'm happy to see that these kids are starting to make homes. Uh, The ones displaced from Urbana and Sinclair in the last month or so, I've talked to a couple of the uh, athletes from Urbana, and they said, you know, we've had a lot of interest, but maybe we don't want to go to California or Colorado or Iowa. So I hope that uh, soon a lot of them have, new homes that are close and the family can see them come play. Division two in a track and field had a kind of a, an awkward thing the other night where they had to decide how they make uh, their all American teams. And what they came up with was if you made the nationals, you're an all American this year, a uh, local duo, Trevor Bassett from Bluffton and Maddie Yinks from Lima Temple Christian represent Ashland as All-Americans, Trevor Bassett actually qualified as an All-American for four different events. He is having just a whale of a career up at Ashland. 
And one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite kids to uh, talk to, Joseph Miller from Audeville, the outgoing senior, put up on his social media the other night and uh, got to talk to him and talk to Keith Utendorf, his head coach, and get some views. You can see it on michaelhearn.com of he's going to go play at Ohio Northern University. And I think that's a terrific place for him to go. Just a scrappy kid will do what you need to do, second in scoring, second in steals for an Audeville team that won quite a few games while he was there in the three years under KU. But uh, congratulations to all those kids for signing on the dotted line and going to play college, continue to get their education as well. And uh, I look forward to seeing what they can do at the next level. Speaking of that, KBO. Talked a lot about it. Had Jared Hoying on now close to a month ago. His Eagles have struggled recently. They sit at 7-14 right now and have lost five five straight in seven of their last ten. They did, however, get on national TV a couple of nights ago. Watched it on the 1 a.m. feed. They got to take on the NC Dinos who have uh, the mascot that everyone just loves. It's so much fun to watch the KBO, but I, I would love to watch it with more people, you know, with the actual cheerleaders all there and the fans and just get that atmosphere. But they get a chance to get back on the horse. 5.30 in the morning, tonight or tomorrow, they take on SK Wyverns. Jared himself, 63 plate appearances, has knocked in five, had a double in that TV game I was talking about, just roped one. 217, one homer, and five runs batted in. He'll try to uh, get some more tomorrow morning. That's uh, kind of a look around at everything going on. When I come back, one of my favorite people in the world, Gary Raspberry, and then you'll hear from one of my other favorite people in the old record. Great interviews. A big thanks to Lee Kinsel and all the folks over there for all that they do for high school sports. Ohio City's pride and Richardson photography as well for being a part of this show. Back in just a few. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. I have said uh, since I started this podcast, actually before, if you pay attention or are a long-time listener to this, that I'm fortunate to have a lot of uh, people who have a lot of knowledge about the local area and uh, sports in the area. We talk about classic games throughout the last couple of months, and I would be hard-pressed to find people who have a more vast knowledge than the Salina Daily Standards' Gary Raspberry. And I mean that because I don't know that I've ever come across something where I didn't think, I should go ask Raz about that. <laughs> it just, it, it's one of those things. Like, do you know? No, I don't know. Who would know this? I'll just ask Raz. Comes from years of, of being around everything, right? Yeah. You know, like I said, and if I don't know it off the top of my head, I'll research it. And like I said, but I've been fortunate, you know, I've been, I've been writing since fall of 1993. I started as a part-timer. Did some games for a few years, and then 1999, I became a, a full-time writer. And like I said, that uh, just kind of started just, you know, a, a run here of some great, great athletic uh, accomplishments. I mean, the area was already had a great reputation before I started full-time, but you look from, like, from 2000 on and just look at some of the, some of the great teams and performers you've seen we've seen over the years. It's just been amazing. I mean, it's, I don't think, you know, it can happen anywhere else but here. Does it make you laugh at times to realize how, and I don't mean it to sound obnoxious or anything to anybody else, but how blessed we are to have, you know, you have a family and then uh, they win state titles or have really good luck, move to the next town, you know, marry the girl from the next town. And all of a sudden, 
15, 16 years later, whatever, they have another great family. And it's just, it's cool to see that continue to flourish. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's the thing I is, is, you know, coaches, you know, like I said, um, Brian Harlemer, head coach of Coldwater Baseball, he's a year, he was a year ahead of me in school. You know, he graduated from Coldwater in 90. I graduated from Old Menden Union in 91. And, you know, and Lynn Ben Hughes, uh, the great sport recovery basketball standout is we're about the same age and they're, and they got kids. I mean, you know, Harley's got, um, Aaron and Annalise now. And, um, of course Lynn and Doug have, uh, Dylan at Parkway. And it just makes me old. <laughs> it makes me feel so old. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that I was 11 when you started. Well, uh, thank you for that. Start <laughs> <laughs> our pass on that. Oh, but like I said, I mean, just seeing some of these kids. I mean, and, you know, when you cover, you know, I always, you know, thought I got when should I retire? Is it probably when this group of kids that I'm covering now, when their kids are going out and winning state titles, I'll probably say that's enough. What would what would a Gary Raspberry retirement look like, though? Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's a I'll whole probably, conversation with it itself. You'd still go to games. You'd still have a notebook. Yeah. Well, like I said. I'm, I'd probably end up, you know, like my dear friend, Mark Ruschow, uh, the late, great Mark Ruschow, who covered uh, sports for the Daily Standard for 30-something years before his passing. On nights where he didn't have a game, you would find him up in the up in the stands. And usually his, his wife would be with him, and he'd be watching the game, but he'd have, his, he'd have the program, and he'd have a pen. And he's keeping stats in the pit. And I mean, he just, you know, and I kind of looked and I said, just enjoying the night off. He said, oh yeah. It wasn't strange for Mark to go on a Sunday afternoon on a whim to, if uh, Ohio State had a baseball game on a Sunday at Bill Davis, he'd go. Or he'd go to a hockey game, you know, in Fort Wayne or Dayton or something like that. And, you know, maybe I can get to do that, but um, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, it's you know, like I said, I'm I'm far from retirement. I'm I can't wait to keep covering games. Well, and it's crazy too because I I know exactly what you're saying. When my wife and I are fortunate enough to actually spend a night together, it always ends up that we end up at a game somewhere, and whether that's you know going to see Kentucky or North Carolina or, or just a high school game, I find myself sitting there twiddling my thumbs because in my head I'm just narrating the game. Yeah, for me, you know, it gets to the point where, you know, I covered, I cover so much high school sports and I love it because I love interacting with the coaches and the players that I can't really watch pro sports. I'm a Browns fan. Well, so, that's you know, I was, had, well, you know, I've had, an, they've given me some grief, but you know, there's <laughs> been signs of hope of late and, um, you know, I just can be. You know, I just really can't watch a sport on TV because it's like I'm supposed to be relaxing. Why am I watching? <laughs> why am I watching sports? Well, the problem with the Browns, though, too, is all of your failures have a name. Like that's the worst part of it. Is some writer thought, uh, yep. "Well, it's the drive, the, name, the, the drive, fumble, the fumble, you know, red right, eighty-eight, right?" I mean, you could. It couldn't just be, "Hey, remember that time the Browns got a fumble?" Oh yeah. Uh, here's the net. You know, like just let it go. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, as a Cowboys fan, we don't talk about Leon Lett, you know, uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> against Miami. We don't talk about that. Oh, yeah. Or the I Super remember Bowl, that. You know, we don't talk about those things. Oh, but yeah. It, yeah. It, it's crazy, though, because sometimes your life sort of intersects that way in terms of you've been around long enough that you go through a lot of these high school dynasties and those guys show up in the pro game and you sort of get a mix the two together. You got that right. You know, you look at some of the guys who, you know, um, Todd Beckman was a standout, was a very good quarterback at Ohio State. Probably should have, you know, could have had a chance to be a, you know, a, a, a kind of a backup in the NFL. Didn't work out. Um, Ross Holman um, at Coldwater was drafted, um, I think, but uh, unfortunately, some injuries kind of creeped in and kind of took that chance away. But Keith Wenning, you know, actually suiting up uh, for the Bengals. In the, in the regular season, and Jordan Thompson from Parkway uh, getting the life chance likewise with the um, with the Lions a few years ago. 
that's a, just amazing thing to see these, be able to see these guys that you covered in high school. And, and I got to add in Corey Lukey from Marion local. Um, and you know, when you still talk to them, it's kind of, you know, it's still, you know, you know, these guys, it's down to those kind of guys, you know, that's kind of, you know, people might look at them, oh, they're great stars. And they kind of go up there and I just said, Hey, I knew these guys when they were high school kids, you know, I can mingle with them pretty well. Well, that's why I kind of laugh every time I see Mitch Trubisky and not because of what Bears fans have to say about him, but because I got to do a couple of his high school games and I remember seeing him and I just saw a thing on him about how he started as a sophomore by the time he got to a senior and ended up four years in North Carolina just to watch you know that kid grow from afar. But then to see when I started getting more or further into it of all the kids that we have that, you know, have gone on to do massive things. I mean, I, I personally love Gavin Cup at Ohio State from Lipsick because it's kind of like you're saying, he's that same kid of, you know, you go talk to him as a starter at Ohio State if this year happens. And he's the same kid that when he was a freshman at Lipsick. It's just, it's neat to see how these kids in our area grow. Absolutely. I agree. I can't agree. I can't. I can't uh, expand on that. That's perfect. And you talk about Todd Beckman too. And one of the things that we had planned to talk about was obviously football. Yes. He ends up as uh, ends up with the Jaguars now is, I guess doing pretty well in Columbus uh, with his professional life, but he had an afternoon back in 2000 that his team had a very interesting trip against Worthington Christian in Columbus. That was a St. Henry team, you know, and Worthington the champs. They beat Fort Recovery, I believe, in double or maybe it was triple over time the year before. And they were averaging this. They were just putting up points. I mean, their opening game of the play, from what I, if I remember right, their opening game of the tournament, they didn't even play their starters. They didn't play their starters, and they still won by 57 points. And St. Henry, that was the same year season that St. Henry – set the state record with 25 threes in a game. That was in the district semis at Walpock against upper side of Valley. And you look at that team, Todd Beckham was a freshman on that team and he was game playing time. And you had a uh, Neil Schmitz who went on to a very solid, uh, baseball career at Bowling Green. He's the all time leading saves, uh, in saves and other guys like Gaff and uh, Bugs Bowman and Ryan post and just an, bunch of guys and that night against USB, I was there it was like they were hitting three so everybody was expecting that game to be like a 99 to 98 game it turned out to be a 51 to 50 or something the game and Woodley and Christian had the last shot and the ball and I was there at the arena and you just see the ball kind of go into the oval I said oh no and then pop out and after the game Al Summers the head coach at uh, St. Henry at the time. He had just kind of replaced uh, the, the legendary Fran Gilball. And he said, he basically said, you know, it was like the hand of God reached in and pulled that ball out of the, the basket, you know. So I didn't write that game story. I think my friend Kirk Phillips did. And he says, it was like, he used the line, God goaltended. <laughs> I mean, that, and then they go out and they play uh, uh, Fort Jennings. In the uh, in the state championship game, and Fort Jennings just came up with the game of the year. Well, that's because they had Matt Metzger, and he was he was something. Oh yeah, I I don't remember Matt. You know, I just remember longtime coach John Bonton Sawson up there, a good guy, and uh, that was but that was a good game as well. But Fort Jennings just had the game of their lives to bring home that uh, state title because we were talking about they were going to have to close down the close down the town to uh, celebrate that, and I'm sure they did. Oh, I'm sure. I have knowing uh, knowing what they do over there. I have no doubt that uh, they close that town down. But yeah, Kevin Grothouse has 23 points in that game. The uh, Fort Jennings game, Matt Metzger ends up with 17 and 10. But I remember he because he's just a year older than I am, and they play Spencerville every year. And I remember them and just going, you know, because you're close enough with Spencerville Fort Jennings where you see Maddie from time to time, and he was. That was uh, that was something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I could, that was one of the first state championship games I covered. I covered uh, for, 
uh, was covering for the standard at the time. Well, so that's a, that was a great piece. What's kind of crazy about it is, I mean, St. Henry jumps out to a 31-18 halftime lead. They come out, they get outscored in the third, 20-9. But if you read the stat page, I mean, nothing really jumps off the page. Those two teams who were so good from three, they combined to go 11-43. of mm-hmm. It's just one of those odd things where, like you said, I mean, it ends up 54-53. It should have been 99-98. It's just... Basketball yeah. has a weird way of evening things out. Absolutely, that's that's what I thought. I mean, I I thought that game would be in the nineties, eighties, eighties at best, maybe nineties. The way these teams were coming in and just shooting lights out. And then St. Henry hits ten threes in the finals. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you just you kind of you can't predict how things go. Absolutely, I that was, like I said, it's a, it's a funny game, <laughs> and it's it's even crazier because I didn't realize this. I should have known, but Steve Trout is one of the officials for the finals game, and I believe he's done every game in Northwest Ohio since that point. <laughs> oh, I like, I like Steve. Uh, I got to know Steve uh, a little bit when he was the athletic director at New Knoxville. Um, very good official, not just in basketball, but he's also a, a top-notch volleyball official, and he's also done softball. Um, like I said, I, I, I like Steve, you know, when you see Steve out there, you know you're going to have a very good game officiated. And it, it, it's just crazy because I see a lot of the same officials, and I just sort of laugh of, all right, I, I feel like maybe I should just get in a caravan and just drive around with them. Save some money on gas. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a funny thing here. Um, one official that's still in the, that still does games in basketball, football, and baseball, and no, maybe not baseball, but softball, John Derryberry. He's everywhere. Yeah, I, think we I all see him, him all the time, too. Um, I like John. John and uh, Steve Owen is his usual one of the guys he usually works with. But um, John was working when I was a senior at Minden. I played basketball. Well, I was a member of the basketball team. Playing is another thing. Um, but I was a captain, and we get into a captain's meeting. And there's John. You know, and I introduce myself, Barry Raspberry. And he says, "Raspberry, I'm John Barryberry." You know, it's just like. And like I said, I you know I've known John you know got, and then of course I see John all the time you know or a lot of the time now he does a lot of games and uh, just amazing to see some of those guys that were refereeing that when I was still in high school are still out there today. That, that tells you how much dedication they have to the uh, to the sport as well. We need more like that, honestly. With the absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of guys I miss. You know, there's some guys out there like. Joe Gettings and a few others that were top-notch officials when I was in my early when I was playing in my early days as a writer that I aren't refereeing anymore. That's a shame because those guys were they were good. And you could be a character as an as an official, and still, you know, as long as you know you you call it down the middle, but you can be you can have that character. It's always fun. It's kind of like Earl Strom in the NBA. You know, the guy who's a good official, but he has that personality that makes it good as well. I saw John Derryberry. He was doing softball, and mm-hmm. he has a red Corvette, and he went flying by us on the way to Fostoria on the highway to do, uh, it was Columbus Grove softball uh, four or five years ago. And I remember thinking, what what's happening? Who just flew by us? And we get to the field, and I look over, and there's John Derryberry getting out of the car. I'm like, Really? <laughs> Like, it oh, could have yeah. been anybody in the world. It just happened to be the guy who's umpiring my softball game. Yeah, there you go. I didn't see That's that it. coming. Mm-hmm. Another one of these games we talked about, and you talked on Coldwater a little bit ago, uh, about a month or so ago, I had a couple of the kids from the baseball team last year talk about that state title and about that run. We talked about the football team and the basketball team. But it goes back to football, and I love in the recap – that you wrote about this Coldwater State title, pretty much you just start with wow. And beating Youngstown Mooney, that whole game, I remember hearing about it, but what's that crazy experience like, just the way that it comes about? Well, as I looked it up, you look at that run from in the, you know, from 2000 to 2010. Coldwater 
ended up playing um, a Youngstown team almost every year in the in the state finals. They went. It was either Ursuline or Mooney, and they had a quarter won their first state title in two thousand five against uh, Mooney at uh, Ken. So here in two thousand seven. And Mooney was just like, they were nationally ranked in USA Today. They had like six guys who were Division I uh, signees. Uh, and even without their starting quarterback, their starting quarterback got hurt. So they had um, the All-Ohio defensive back. He didn't do a whole lot of passing until late in the game. And Mooney's out 14 to nothing. And Tom Usher's sitting next to me at the in the press box at uh, Paul Brown Tiger Stadium. I said, hey, Tom, I think Coldwater's fortunate to only be down 14 nothing." He says, he, he kind of nodded. And then Coldwater got an early touchdown to get it to within a seven, and then Mooney scored again to make it 21-7. And then the fourth quarter hit, and I hadn't really noticed that Keith Wenning was out there lining up at receiver. He had been the backup quarterback, but he had, um, you know, uh, I can't, one of the Cowboys was the starting receiver and he was out and then they do a double reverse and when he gets the ball throws a touchdown pass next series backward pass from Corey Clinky the key key gets the Tony Harmer Harmer tackled at the one he runs in a yard later for the score and you know and that's amazing and then a great catch a great pitch and catch from uh, Corey Clinky to uh, I think it was Ryan Geyer Maybe, or one of the Geyer boys. It was Ryan. Um, yeah, it was Ryan Geyer. So many Geyers. It's <laughs> funny because I'm reading the article as you're saying it, and it's almost word for word of how you wrote it. Zach Kopp yeah. is who you're looking for. Yeah, Zach Kopp. I mean, and then the touch, you know, and the, and the touchdown, you know, to go up. Then Mooney made that run. Got got the touchdown to get it to within one, and we're kind of saying, well, here comes overtime, and then uh, Kurt Schwarman, the glove. <laughs> Glove storm and get that gets through and gets that block, and then uh, Adam Holman, who's like a sophomore that season, gets the uh, onside kick on the ensuing kickoff, and it's a state title. And John's just kind of like you know, like, you know, he wasn't you know, like I said John. I never really seen John excited, and he wasn't overly excited at this, but it was like you know, these guys don't you know, you know, these guys, these guys don't quit, and. And that was the uh, case. That was one of the, that's, of all the games I've covered, that's one that I really remember. But if you look at that season, in the regional semis, I think it was, they played Alder down at Piqua. And Alder was up 21 points at one time. Kolar came back, won the game in triple overtime. And so this team, you know, 14 points, the way, if you look at the context, was nothing. <laughs> they, they, this, right. You know, they, I mean, they just played their game. And that was, that's the one great thing about John Reed teams. They just don't quit. <laughs> they don't do, they don't come out of their element. They, they stick with it. And that's one of the great uh, things I've, you know, about those, some of those teams I've seen over the years. Well, and I love the quote that he gave you afterwards. You're talking about the 59-52 triple overtime win, which in and of itself is insane to even say as a sentence. But he said, it wasn't until we played Alter that we found out we could become an outstanding team. We hadn't really been tested. Their early season has, um, uh, I believe it was just one game early on. They beat Kenton 21-7 to open the year. They you know, they lose to Marion, and then everybody else became the sacrificial lamb. But he said it made us better. And it was at that point where we realized, you know, nobody was going to stop us. And... I love it. His end quote in the article is, fear nobody, respect everybody. That's sincerity coming from us. And he, he just did it in a completely different way because, like you talked about, he's missing so many different players. Harlemert has just 19 yards on the ground, but he has 130 yards through the air. And it's that's pretty much the cold water way. Just don't make excuses. Make someone better. Yeah. And the other thing is um... – Tim Hoyne, the longtime defensive coordinator, you know, I don't know how much retooling, retooling, but they worked to shut down Mooney in that second half. I mean, they got a couple of fumbles and a couple of interceptions and stopped a couple of big stops that kept, uh, kept Mooney from putting that game out of reach. 
it's just it, it's so crazy. Like like I said, to read about that and just kind of to go back to that and think this is almost a normal thing as far as cold water goes. Or if you go any deeper, obviously the success that the Mac as a whole has had since really the inception. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, 136 state championships in the Mac since 73. And like I said, but then you look at it, I mean, from 73 to 89, there was only one, I think. I think it was, um, it was, um, Marion's 75 state title. And then I think it's, and then 89, you had, um, well, you had a couple of the St. Henry volleyball teams. I'm sorry. But then you had, uh, and then Minster won the state football title, 89, St. Henry a year later. And then that just started the run of Mac teams. Absolutely. Kind of, um, really showing why they are the, the best small team conference in the state and rivals a lot of the bigger conferences just in the competition level. Well, I mean, maybe again, not. The, they would have had a shot to add a 14th girls basketball title this year. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think they would have, I think they would have had, I think enough time had gone past. I think they could, would have gave it, gave uh if it ended up them and Lormy, they would have gave them a great game. I was and that would have been about a the possibility of that game. Oh, that would have been that would have been a sellout. They could, seen, have, they could have sold out St. John for that. Oh, for sure. I had seen both during the tournament uh, multiple times, and I just remember thinking, you know, from the from day one, really, uh, Denny Cisco and I talked about this the year before uh, in the regional finals when Minster won. I felt like we were just sort of biding time in terms of the regular season the next year and getting to whenever that matchup was going to happen again. Because with Lormy bringing everything back and Minster bringing a huge chunk, it just seemed like a matter of time. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I you know I have a lot of respect for, for Carlos Eagle down at uh, Lormy. Uh, real nice to work with, to talk to, and just a down-to-earth uh, person and – you know, Lormy's a lot like a Mac school. You know, you talk about, you know, you talk about styles of play and all that. And, you know, one thing, you know, if we get to talk about another thing, if um, these matchups with Kirtland, either Minster or, <laughs> or not right. Minster or Marion or Coldwater played them in the state, in the state tournament. And Kirtland has, you know, if you didn't know it, you think it would be a Mac, they were a Mac team. Mm-hmm. They're hard hitting. Um, Tyler Verde is one of the, is a very good coach. He coaches that team very well. I mean, they're Kirtland's kind of a smallish town, if I remember right. Uh, just kind of that Mac feel. And like I said, they you know, if they weren't on the other side of the state, you'd bring them in to join the Mac because they'd be a great uh, addition. Because you know they could, you know, their their teams are going to in all sports are going to give you give you good games. And I I have a question here in a second, but it's funny that you say about moving conferences. That's kind of something too that since you've started, it, it, the landscape is so much different. Just kind of of the area of looking at it. Of all right, well, I remember when this was this, and you know, this was good, and now it, a lot of things flip back and forth. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, there, we've seen I've seen examples of co- teams jumping from conference to conference. Um, Greenville. I mean, they used to be in the, the old Miami Valley League, and then they joined the GMBC and the Southwest League, and they were in the in the G-Walk, and now they now they're back into the revived uh, Miami Valley League with you know you know Sydney and basically the G-Walk. Yeah, it was basically the North G-Walk North, and but you know the Max been pretty lucky, you know. From, you know, there's only been, a, you know, the early days of the Mac when Ansonia and Bradford dropped out in the late 70s and Minden and Knoxville were brought in in Fort Recovery because Mac was really kind of a football conference until, you know, then they brought Minden and Fort Recovery and then Knoxville in, then St. John's joined in the 80s and then Minden uh, consolidated with Parkway. And then, you know, the only real changes you've had, you've had Versailles you know, joining the conference, which was a, a good move, I think turned out to be a good move. And then Anna joining for football only to kind of to balance out the footballs. The Mac's been pretty, 
been a pretty solid program, you know, uh, uh, where, you know, there hasn't been any defections or anything like that. And same for the Western Buckeye League, you know, as well. So, I mean, we've been lucky where we haven't had where teams are changing conferences, you know, every couple of years to try to find the right fit. I mean, I think the area teams know that the Max and the WBL are perfect fits. Um, kind of a, a sideways thought. Again, I still haven't gotten to the actual question yet because I keep coming up with more of them. Football <laughs> playoff expansion, yay or nay? I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'm, right now I can, I can see why they do it because we've had a few years where a team has been really, really good and just missed the playoffs by fractions of a point. But, you know, and we've and we've been lucky. I mean, there's I remember when St. Henry went one state as an eighth seed in a region. And but I've also seen a lot of eight seeds go against a, a top seed and it's not pretty. And you know, like I said, one year I covered Minster going up to St. John's. And in the first round of the playoffs, it was the, I think it was the first year they went to the eight, eight teams. And it was like 76 to seven. <laughs> it was, it was not a pretty game. And you, you see that with some other, you know, teams coming up to play Mac teams in the first round, even though maybe the, the other teams, the higher seed and the Mac just absolutely kind of, you know, goes through them pretty easily. I mean, like I said, you know, it gives more teams a chance to feel, get a chance to play. And I, yeah, it's always a good thing. You know, I don't think, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where there's going to be a, like Indiana where everybody gets in, you know, play nine weeks. Cause there's, there's many more, so many more schools in Ohio than Indiana. Well, we're at 47% now. 47% of the teams. You know, I mean, that's, I think that's a, that's a good mix. Like I said, it's going to be interesting, but I think you're going to have to survive, you know, and, but I think, you know, while you get these teams in, I think you're going to see a few more of those kind of, um, not so, you know, kind of big blowout kind of games first round. But, um, like I said, I'm, I'll wait and see on a final thing, but like I said, it, it's a, I think we'll see some good and bad out of that. The good is more teams in the uh, bad. We could get some ugly games. <laughs> um, uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you, you told me about this before we went on daily standards doing something really cool right now. You guys came up with a way to, I guess, continue to do sports when there's no sports. What's the big thing you're working on? Um, we've had a project the last few weeks. Colin, I believe, came up with the idea. Colin Foster, um, our sports, my sports editor, um, of picking kind of a Mount Rushmore of the top four male and top four female athletes from each school in our school district in our area coverage area, and we put it and we called people who we knew. And they said, "Would you mind putting a committee together that would?" do this and, they, and it's been good and they've come up with some great names um, we started with Salina of course we're doing it in alphabetical order um, at the time we're talking um, we're going to we're finishing up our new Bremen series and starting our Parkway series and then we'll wrap up with St. Mary's and we even thought we might even expand ads and try to figure out some to do for like um, Minden Union because there was some quality athletes from men in union over the years until the schools uh, closed and maybe even look at maybe an IC flying out immaculate conception because they had a high school up until the seventies and they had a very good basketball program that went to the, uh, I think the 1964 class A state championship game. So we're hoping to do that. And like I said, it's good to track down, even track down one uh, athlete that I didn't, remember, you know, or I, they didn't play They played before I even got into sports and it, it, it's great to kind of track down the photos of them. And, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of colleges have been great about uh, helping us with some photos of some athletes that play on the college that played on the college level. And it, it's really fun. And I've, and I've gotten a lot of, we've gotten a few compliments on it. So that's a good thing. But hopefully more it gets them kind of, uh, you know, now that uh, everything starts to be opening again, some uh, coffee chatter. <laughs> when, people, you know, some of these guys, 
and the old guys get around and says, boy, I remember this guy, you know, and that, get, that gives them something to talk about. Is it, uh, how's that running? Is that running periodically just in the paper or are you making kind of like we're, football we're, previews for one big section? Um, it's running each week. Uh, we do one school a week. Um, and each day we'll, we start on a Wednesday and we feature one male and one female athlete each day on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And Saturday we, uh, wrap up with, um, the list of also considered, you know, schools will, you know, the committees will give us, um, um, a list of, you know, all the athletes that they had considered. And, you know, some great names are out there that, you know, just didn't make the list. Do you think we would make the list? And um, some are some some are kind of, yeah, we know the you know, that, that's no surprise. And then there were some, wow, I can't believe they didn't make it. That's that's uh, always the great debate. Yeah, that, that, and, and like I said, this gives them something to debate about. Well, that's awesome. I, uh, I hope that it, it works out. You guys saw a lot of papers and – uh, there the the pictures are online. I know on the website where it shows certain people and tells the story, but it's a a really neat thing. I think you guys are doing, and I, I really hope it goes well because, I mean, who the heck wouldn't sit around and debate that right now? Absolutely. I mean, it gives like I said, it gives us something to do, and that's um, is keeps everything um, keeps everything going. People want to uh, to keep up with you or argue with you about old pro wrestling. How do they do that? <laughs> oh wow! Um, well, my my Twitter handle is uh, G Raspberry seventy three, G R A S B E R R Y seven three. So, and you know, music, uh, wrestling, and other topics. I'm I like keeping up there. But if you want um, sports coverage uh, in the area. Um, and I believe it is the DF underscore sports. And that is the daily standards sports department's uh, Twitter feed. I thank you so much for doing this. I'm, I'm happy that we were finally able to make this work. Yeah. And while I was, you know, like when you were, we were kind of talking about it, it kind of reminded me of a few other things. And there's one other story I just remember. It's like one of the first state meets I ever covered for cross country. And this will pique your interest being a Spencerville guy. Um, Sunny Olding from Minster, first year at state. And all that year she had been kind of, all that cross-country season, she'd been dueling with um, Angela Homan. Who ends up at Auburn. Who ended up at Auburn, and, you know, it was a great matchup. They were good friends. They rival, and Angela was in the lead and at uh, Scioto Downs. And then a few hundred yards from the finish line, she hit the wall. She just collapsed. And Sonny's in front, and it looks like Sonny's going to win this. And then a girl named Carmi Reinhardt from Hopewell Loudon, who herself ran at Ohio, is on a dead sprint. And we had thought, if any, you know, she caught that Carmi got caught Sonny at the finish line and won. They actually had to go to the videotape, and I mean, I think they had the matching, and you know, and this was in this was in two thousand, yeah. I'll say this and is back so, in the day. Yeah. And all the Minster girls were kind of saddened for Sunny because, you know, she had won, you know, you know, they thought she just missed out on her first state title and Jesse. And the funny thing with Jesse was, I believe Jesse was past her due date with Madeline, her daughter, Maddie, who's at the, the U.S. military academy now. And he says, "Well, maybe I'll just go and cheer him up, tell him we won the state ti- the state <laughs> team title." <laughs> and then they came out with the announcement. It was, I think I I don't know. I can't remember. I'll have to look at the times again. But I might they ha- might have had matching times. But they said Sunny just won by you know a neck to win the first of her three state cross country titles. So I mean, that, and then I think Angel. Angel got a little bit of revenge by winning the 3,200 at the state track meet that year. So, that's, but that was, that's a story I kind of remember. That's crazy. I, uh, I did not know that. And I am going to try to get Angel on at some point. Cause that's a hometown thing. Yeah. Oh, like I said, that was cause I think, cause I remember 
Angela's grandfather would call in and say, you know, or would call in and say, hey, you know, Angela did this down in Auburn. I said, oh, that's great. And I had my mention of it, you know. But, um, but uh, like I said, that was a that was one of the great running rivalries when I first started running. Sonny Olding and Angela Homan, and then Carmi Reinhardt was also a top notch runner. And then when by the time Sonny grad, you know, finished up her career, that brought in uh, Sarah Scholze from Anna, who was unique as she could win the sixteen hundred and the one hundred. She could run the one hundred and the sixteen hundred in the same in the same meet. Wow. <laughs> and, and she ended up playing, going to play basketball at Ohio State. <laughs> that works out. Yeah, it works out. But like I said, just amazing to see you know these athletes you see. It's not just the, the ones I cover all the time, but the ones from outside the area who really make an impact as well. Well, I, again, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate I, you having me on. The, the stroll down memory lane. Glad to do it. Hope I can get back on some of these days. Oh, for sure. I've got a whole list of people who are coming back on. <laughs> Thank you. That's Gary Raspberry from the Daily Standard. It's Thursday night. Are you hungry? Check out McSober's in at Coldwater. Boneless wings and fries, just $8.99. Want a chicken of a different kind? Try the four-piece chicken dinner, $6.99. Or the two-piece chicken dinner of $5.49. Comes with fries and slaw or sauce. Or get a 16-inch three-item pizza, just $11.99. I go to McSober's when I go to Coldwater. You should go to a 16-inch pizza for just $11.99 with three items. Put a lot of meat on it. If you don't want it, send it to my house. 419-678-2602 to call. You can text and get your order as well. 419-305-3707. Big Sobers in Coldwater Thursday night special. A uh, sponsor of this program and all of the Coldwater sports we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. And a big shout-out to the folks at McSobers in Coldwater. Talking baseball again, as we have been throughout the last couple of weeks and getting closer to whatever the season might look like for the summer leagues, all-star game coming up as well. And get who used to play high school baseball, now sort of playing at collegiate baseball once upon a time at BG. Owen Wrecker, how are you with all that going on? Um, I'm doing good. Just, you know, staying positive, controlling what I can control. And it, it's kind of an odd thing because, I mean, how does that work for you? Are you kind of on the outside looking in? Do you think about going somewhere or with everything you have with rehab? Is that sort of the thought right now? Yeah, so uh, my plan kind of right now is since I'm, ha- I'm having my surgery on Friday and BG is honoring our scholarships and my coach called me and told me that they'd still be doing my rehab up at BG like I could use the training facilities and do my rehab with, like, the trainers and stuff. So currently my plan is, since I can't pitch next year anyway for surgery because it's a pretty long recovery, to go to BG next year, just go to school since they're honoring my scholarship, do my rehab, and then transfer the, the following year. How was the start of that uh, with coming out of the winter? And, you, I mean, you do a lot in the summer in terms of prepping and getting better anyways, but how was that transition from high school to college? Uh, it's... So much different. I mean, high school, you it's your every day. You go to practice. You have you have school. You go to practice. In college, it was in the fall. We had lifting like four days a week. Two days was at six a.m. Two days was after practice. So you go to you wake up, go to lifting, get a breakfast, go to class for however long, and then you'd go to practice for another two and a half, three hours, and then you'd lift after that. So I mean, it's just. And everyone's bigger, stronger. It's just, it's a whole new level. Kind of has to seem like a long, long time ago, just over three months since you pitched in that game against Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, it feels, man, it feels like forever ago. I miss it like crazy. It's And it is, it's so weird because you look at it and you're like, oh, well, it's three months ago. But with everything that's happened both in the world and in your life, that's three months has to feel, I mean, you're – Back to your freshman year at Kaleida, it's got to feel forever ago. Man, I yeah, I can't even explain it. Feels like I've been stuck in place for a while. You've got great support system though. I mean, your dad was probably what everywhere you guys went. Oh yeah, for sure. They traveled. My sister actually made it. Uh, she 
went down to Tennessee for my weekend. So it was kind of cool that she came. Yeah, they, they follow me everywhere for sports. They love it just as much as I do. And it's I, I love that because I don't know which one of you taught your dad to be a Snapchat person, but we don't communicate via text. That's that's all I ever get is Snapchats from him. Yeah, I don't. I kind of wish he would have never got Snapchat, but he did. Whoever showed him that, <laughs> I don't even know who to blame for that. Yeah, probably my sister. <laughs> but it's it's sad too because. When I look at your guys' schedule, I know there were a couple of games I was planning on trying to come up to watch, but just that big college schedule of where when you look, you start in February and you go through May, MAC tournament would have been in May. It's such a big, big part, obviously, of your freshman year. Like you talked about, you know, that's baseball, baseball, baseball. Man, it's a commitment, especially in the spring. You're, you're, you don't get to go home. After winter break, when you get back, you don't you don't go home till after school's over. After baseball, well, it's not you're gone every weekend. It's not bad though. I mean, you know, you don't have or wouldn't I should say wouldn't have had that many far trips where people couldn't have taken you know two, three, four, five hours, except for maybe the trip to St. Louis and come and seen you play. Yeah, I mean, my parents came. We played in North Carolina at UNC Wilmington, so they came to that. That was pretty cool. It was, you know, nice getting away from the crappy weather, getting out there, getting some sun and stuff. Were you up at the at BG last week when all the alumni came back? Uh, yeah, I was. Yep. What kind of an experience was that? Just to not even getting into the other part of what they're trying to do yet, but just to see all those people who, you know, the news breaks about the cancellation of your program, and and they immediately just sort of flock back to Bowling Green. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, a lot of those guys drove multiple, multiple hours to get there relatively early in the morning for what time they'd have to get up to go. And seeing all the guys that showed up, it was it kind of just shows you what our coaches' characters are like, what what everyone thought of Coach Smith and a Falcon baseball, and like the history there, the tradition that was built. I heard in the first day they had raised two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Two hundred thousand dollars. I think they're up to around like one point four million now. Does that sound insane coming out of your mouth? I mean that. Yeah. You know, that, it's that thing for you, but that they people, those people care that much. One hundred and forty people. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. That's uh, it's such a neat thing, though. I mean, and you don't realize, you know, when you think about it. I'm sure when you decided to go to BG, it was obviously what's best for me. But to look at that and go all of these people who have had that same choice in their life now still feel like, all right, what was great for us, we want to help those kids be able to get that. Right, yeah, it kind of shows you how how big of a role that that playing baseball BG played in their lives just by how many people came to support, how many people are supporting this right now. And it, it makes me very happy with my choice that I, I chose BG, even with what went on. Have they kind of given you a look into, I know that the goal across a five-year period is about $4 million that they want to raise, but kind of a look of, is that making a dent with the administration or are they just still sort of holding on to, no, we said we're done with baseball? Uh, no, I I don't exactly know. I mean, they've kind of keep kept us updated from what they know, but it's mostly you know, the alumni taking care of it. So I think they have to go in front of the athletic boards they've been having meetings and then uh i think they're hoping to get an answer by the end of this week i think well i think maybe call hersheiser and ask him if he's got money he's just not using yeah i'm sure he's got some oh yeah between him and roger mcdowell they've probably got four or five million they're not using oh yeah hopefully they can maybe they'll come through and hopefully toss in a, a million but it's i was thinking about this the other day with the fact that there's no uh, spring season, no PCL season this year. Maybe you're going to go on and be the PCL player of the year forever. Man, I guess so. maybe I can get one more year out of it. Right. I, I think you can just claim the third one. I think that's how that goes. I mean, until someone beats me, I guess I think I can. Right. It's a Miss America thing. Nobody else stepped up. Exactly. But it, it's so cool because I was noticing too, kind of a trend the last handful of years with BG that 
they've recruited from their base, whether it be uh, girls basketball, I know, or women's basketball is real big on that right now, but baseball is getting more, I want to say more of a hometown feeling. And it, does it make it easier for you because it's a lot of guys you've seen either on the summer circuit or high school and you already have a rapport with them? I mean, yeah, actually, I really, before I went to BG, like before I committed there, I really didn't know many of them besides Rigo, obviously I knew. And I heard of a couple of the other kids, I guess. But, um, yeah, even when I got there, it's, it's like you walk in the locker room and it's everyone's just, they come and talk to you. And then after about a week, it's like you have 33 other brothers. It's exactly what it feels like. It's Everyone's close. Everyone loves each other. Everyone would like do anything for one another. For for you though, you're from a small town. I mean, that kind of it kind of feels like Kaleido, I would think. Yeah, it does. So that's kind of nice. It was, made it a lot easier to transition to like the college lifestyle. I guess the new the new way it is. Everyone kind of shows you around, and it, it didn't feel as much of a difference. I guess it's kind of nice to keep that small town feeling in a way. So that really helped me. I think. I've been talking to people about the last month on this podcast about classic games, and I was thinking about what game I would ask you about because you guys, in your time at Collider, played so many. And I remember when it goes into, and, and we've talked about this before, but your freshman year in the regional finals, you go from you know being that guy to everybody's hopes are pinned on to the way your senior season goes. And there are so many different like individual moments. It's it's kind of hard for me, having been there for a lot of them, to sort of pick one and say, you know, tell me about that moment. Yeah, we. I luckily I've had a I've had a lot of memorable memorable pitching games in high school. From that first game where it was kind of like, you know, you're nervous. It's like that new freshman. Yeah, I kind of hyped up a little bit, but no one really knew who I was then then after that you know the expectations continued to grow every year and I mean it's not a bad thing if you're getting high expectations that means you have that talent you have people that know how good you can be so I mean it was good and bad well and I know that I've asked him about this before but your dad has been open about how you know he he took some some guff for you being that guy and obviously Austin couldn't pitch because he had thrown before and he could barely move his arm in center field that day. But, yeah. you know, that was the thing of, he said, no, you guys don't understand. I'm not telling you this as that's my kid. I'm telling you this as I see how hard this kid works. He's going to be something. Why doesn't it start now? Yeah, I mean, obviously there was guys older than me, but I feel like I worked just as hard as they did day in and day out at practice and everything. I mean, I feel like I – yeah, you can say it's my dad's a coach or whatever, but, I mean, I worked my tail off every day. I did everything just like everyone else did. I put in extra work, too. I mean, obviously, you don't just start throwing 93 your junior season year. It just you don't? It doesn't just magically happen. I think I had a 53 my junior year. <laughs> it's about 48 now. Right. Uh, but it, it was. It was cool, though, because I remember, you know, that being one of the things where – Obviously, your other coaches, even at that point, told everybody, what did you want to do? I mean, you look at where you guys were, and they all knew what you were going to end up doing, and you end up near the top of the record book and everything in Collide and PCL history. But it was it was so neat, and there are a ton of kids I've seen through the years where you could see the hard work pay off. And I've always admired that about you, that it seems like you're never really satisfied of, all right, I got this but how do I get even better at it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just, I don't like to settle, I guess. I've never been someone who just likes to settle for whatever. Like, I can have this, and then something seems like, oh, you know, you got to do this. Uh, it's going to be hard to get to that next step, but, you know, are you willing to do it? And sometimes it sucks. You have to go through things you don't, you don't want to go through, but you just have to go through them, and it, and it pays off in life, I think. I remember uh, I found one of the games I was thinking of the other day was uh, one of the Miller City games you guys had in the tournament where you uh, you came through with a bat towards the end of the game. <laughs> Is that my junior year? Yeah. Yeah. See, my junior year, I, 
I could hit a little bit. For some reason, my senior year, I just, I don't know. I think I was more focused on pitching, but. I, I yeah. thought the first half of the year you were trying to kill everything. Yeah, I think I was. I mean, it didn't work out that way, but. Face some pretty good pitchers, I mean, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, there's always good pitching in the PCL. Every, especially against us, everyone wants to everyone wants to beat us. I mean, four PCL towers in a row. So we were, you know, can we knock them off? Let's be that team to knock them off. We don't, let's not get a, let them get their fourth title. Like, so it was just fun being able to compete like that, knowing you're going to get everyone's best and then still beating them, showing them that even when they got their best, they still can't beat us. Well, that's why I always laugh because it seemed like, and obviously uh, being friends with your dad and being friends with Dusty Peaster at Miller City, it seemed like it was a lot of years it was going to be set up for you and Jackson Lammers or Austin and Jackson Lammers or um, Brandon at Fort Jennings. It just seemed like those guys just, you know, they are top 15 all-time PCL or whatever, but they always seem to hit that maroon and gold wall. Yeah. Yeah, there's. I mean, that those honestly are the best games. No knock on any team, but when back my whatever junior year when we was Zane, Brandon, uh, like the Otto from Miller City, Coleman. I mean, those those were the best games to pitch because you knew you had to bring your A game if you wanted to beat them because they were going to be in the game even if you did have your A game. Because you knew their pitchers weren't going to give up ten runs, so you had to you had to you had to perform. So that was. I just that pressure. I think for me, just helps me get to that next level. I love competing. Well, even those Grove games. I know uh, that's oh, not yeah, exactly Grove a popular is, one, but I'll never I forget mean, the hype of those games. Yeah, the Grove games were always good too. That's, I mean, props to them. The last year they beat us, they they played a good game. Not gonna lie, they they were a good team all around. They were a good team. You had a couple of games where. You would start the game, kind of got in a little bit of trouble, came back, and I remember just getting through a couple of innings. What's that transition of you have to go to another position, have to sort of calm yourself down, and then get back into that mode when you need to be the guy to get the out to get out of the sixth and get out of a jam? Yeah, so, I mean, it sucks when you don't have your best stuff, obviously. So I'd go in. Maybe not my best stuff. Still be good enough to get out of innings, you know, not give up runs. But and then you go to a position, you kind of gotta. It takes a little bit to get your composure back, calm yourself, calm yourself down. And then uh, I don't know, just something, man. When you get in those high, like like you said, those high pressure situations where it's it's you get these outs or you lose the game, you're out. So I'm always ready for that. I just <laughs> when I was in high school, I usually played third or first. When he's getting those situations, I'd kind of be slapping my leg with my glove, looking at our, like our pitching coach, Ryan Huffman, or my dad. He'd be like, yo, I'm ready. Give me the ball. Let me close this. <laughs> I do that all the time. How many times did he tell you to go away? Oh, God. Really, either one of them. But, yeah. Probably 100, but I mean. I bet it was more. I'm too stubborn. I'm, I'm too stubborn. I've that. sat close enough to your guys' dugouts where I've heard those conversations where your dad said, oh, I think you're done, and you very politely said, no, I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, especially very politely. There's a, Yeah, especially the heat of the moment. He knows I don't want to come out. He tries to, you know, nudge me, urge me to, but he knows I'm not going to let the ball come out of my hands in those situations no matter what. Because I just happened to have seen uh, one of the, the recaps. We did the post-game interview with you and him at uh, Patrick Henry a couple of years ago, and I asked him about that same thing, and it was kind of, yeah, you know, sometimes I let him win those conversations. Uh, yeah, you know, he kind of feels like, you know, i got to say something, but if he kind of tells me, nah, he's staying in the game in a very polite way, as you said. Man, I think he kind of he kind of lets me go. They they trust me. Like you said, I've earned it from what I, from what I, my performance and the work I put in. Well, I uh, I thank you for doing this, and I wish you the best uh, for your surgery this week. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And I hope soon uh, you get to pull that BG cat back on and get back up on the mound. Man, I sure hope. I loved it there. I uh, I I would love to come watch a game there. I've heard nothing but good things. Oh yeah, I'm sure. If if it comes back, yes, I'll let you know. For sure, and uh, until then, I guess I'll uh, I'll just have to keep coming through K Town. Oh yeah, for sure. Stop by anytime. You know you're welcome.
That's Owen Wrecker talking more about baseball here on the show. For custom screen printing and personalized designs, come into Countywide Design at 103 North 4th Street in Kaleida, across from JJ's Carryout and right next to 3D Pools. Countywide Design can design whatever you might need to promote your club, school, or business. And while you're there, stop in, see Jackie at Countywide Design, 103 North 4th Street in Kaleida, and stop in to 3D Pools and find out about their pool supplies and installation of new pools. Countywide Design and 3D Pools at 103 North 4th Street in Kaleida, 419-532-2540. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Leak Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Leak Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeakKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEAK-KINSEL. A huge thanks to Gary Raspberry and Owen Wrecker for uh, sitting down with me, spending some time, and uh, talking about some baseball and about classic games from uh, days gone by. It's pretty much all we can do right now. I mean, just look back, and uh, a couple of days from now will be a year to the day. I just noticed on my calendar that McComb and Kaleida faced off a year ago, and uh, that was a terrific battle with uh, a lot of things going on, though. Baseball has sort of not been helping itself. The NHL is back. Can't wait to see how this playoff turns out for the Stanley Cup. But uh, Major League Baseball, <laughs> that's just a joke. I can't even go down that road. We do have baseball next week, though. Next Saturday, next Friday and Saturday in a location yet to be announced, probably this weekend on a Twitter. You can follow me at Michael Hearn PVP. Uh, we've got the All-Star Games with the PCL, the Northwest Conference, the Blanchard Valley Conference, and the Lima Area All-Stars. They'll all be on WZOQ Radio. I'm so excited to call these games. We're working on some stuff to make them fun and maybe be able to get a player or two during the game itself. Uh, But you'll just have to tune in and find out. The 5.30 game opens each day, I believe, and then there's a game after that. But... Thank you so much for listening to this show, and I hope that you have enjoyed it. Next week, more of the show, and uh, as we count down to the fall, it's not that far away, hopefully the kickoff of high school football, high school volleyball, high school soccer. It sounds so great to be able to say those things out loud and not have to be telling you that they're canceled. Positive thoughts, people. Positive thoughts. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.